The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the information, advice, and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And the biggest day of the year here in real estate world in Cincinnati is coming up tomorrow with the Cincinnati RIA annual trade show, an event that is typically uh, attended by two to three hundred real estate investors, landlords, flippers, and the folks who serve them from all over the tri-state area. Uh, this year, it's going to be at the Springdale Convention Center up on Chester Road, and it is open to the public and free. So you might want to come and check out all the title companies and lenders and lawyers and realtors and wholesalers and suppliers and all the folks who are there that night to uh, try to get your business and are often offering some awesome discounts and are always offering great door prizes to do that. Again, that is tomorrow night, Thursday, May the 19th, if you happen to be listening to us on the podcast and have already missed it. But if you haven't, you might want to get there. More information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A dot com. Our topic this evening is millennials who invest. Yeah, I know you don't think millennials invest. You think millennials all believe that they are special little snowflakes who get trophies for showing up and live in their parents' basement until they are 35 years old when they then move into their spouse's basement, I guess. I don't know what happens after that. But uh, the reality is they are the next generation of real estate entrepreneurs. And I have with me today in the studio, not one, not two, but three millennial aged folks who are um, doing different things in the real estate business and probably have something to teach you whether you are in fact in their age group or um, are a little bit older and uh, need to learn something from them about getting started. Uh, Joining me today are Matt Adams, Eric Kotner, and Adam Terpstra. And uh, each of them is a real estate investor here in the Cincinnati area, all in fact Cincinnati area members, and are uh, all in, in slightly different areas of the real estate investing business. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and we will start to my immediate left here with Adam. Hi, my name's Adam Terpstra. I'm 31 years old. 
I got started in real estate roughly a decade or so ago on my first deal. I lost a decent amount of money on it, unfortunately, but since then I've uh, spent quite a bit of time and effort educating myself on how to do things the right way, networking, and since then things have been going a lot more smoothly. Um, primarily, my current focus is on acquiring cheap rentals and uh, making sure they cash flow. Um, I've also done a little bit of note investing, a little bit of wholesaling, some fix and flip. But I'd say mostly I, I currently focus on uh, on rentals. Mm-hmm. And of our three millennials today, uh, you are the one who has actually kept a job for this entire <laughs> this entire adventure of uh, of also investing in real estate. Has that how 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 has that been trying to do this part time? Um, well, there's definitely a lot of delegation involved doing it part time. Uh, one thing that actually drew me towards uh, owning rentals is I typically find wholesalers to bring me the properties at the right prices. Then I'll have a private lender fund the the deals and a property manager to manage it. So essentially, I don't really have to do a whole lot in the transaction. It's very passive as far as uh, investing is concerned. Very good, uh, Eric. Uh, my name is Eric Kotner. I am a second-generation real estate investor. I um, am 28 years old. I got into this um, actually through my mother, who owned um, property and also did management um, on some as well. Um, I learned through her on the property management side, and I pretty much hated every bit of it. So right now, I am looking into cash influx um, deals as wholesaling and rehabbing properties um, on there. Mm-hmm. And majority is pretty much either through direct mail or um, sheriff sales or other properties like that. Okay. And at the same time, though, uh, as you are trying to break away from what your parents did that you now in retrospect retrospect can't stand because you have discovered the quick check, Mm -hmm. you're practically describing my my arc into and then back out of again wholesaling you do still have uh some rental properties right you have yeah, a st- building i have about 32 units right now so okay okay and finally matt good afternoon my name is matt adams and i'm 35 years old i became a member of cincinnati rea several years ago and that's actually how my introduction to the, the real estate business really began and I studied the business. In fact, I listened to this very uh, radio show starting out, and I've done a number of things in real estate. My present incarnation and kind of what I'm known for is as a distressed, defaulted note buyer, but I've also bought and sold some properties. I've done some hard money lending uh, and a few other types of deals, but I'm primarily in the note business all day, every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, so you're the old dude at 35. Yep. Just made it. And... <laughs> And almost, almost don't, you know, depending on which which of the websites you look at may not even officially be a millennial, but you're still fairly young. I'm demographically ambiguous. <laughs> we don't judge. Uh, we, you've still, you've still in a relatively short period of time, because you, you didn't start in real estate out of high school. You did no. some other stuff on the way. Uh, you've been doing real estate uh, more or less full time, or notes more or less full time for about five years. About how many deals have you done at this point? Uh, when it, it's it's hard to add it up, but at least in the note space, more than two dozen, I guess. Okay, and time. Eric, you you mentioned you have thirty two units, and then in addition to that, wholesaled and rehabbed about how many? And remember to move the microphone over so people can hear you. We've got we got four people in the studio and three mics for the well. We've got four mics counting right. Mike, but we've only got three actual microphones. Uh, so for those of you who are listening to the thing, go, ring, 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 that's the microphone being passed back and forth. Uh, 
For rehabs right now, currently about two or three on there. I would say within the past 10 years, it's been about 15 or so mm-hmm. um, quick cash deals. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know I, you know, I know you've done some wholesale deals because I bought one from you about, mm-hmm. about two years ago. Uh, okay. And Adam, uh, you're, you're more the buy and hold guy. What, what are you up to in terms of portfolio at this point? Um, I've been involved in roughly a dozen transactions, and most of those have been buy and hold. Some in my IRA, some of them on my business portfolio. Okay. All right. Uh, Very good. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to these fellows about challenges of uh, being so young and being in real estate, advantages of being so young and being in real estate, how they are different than other folks of their generation. And if you have any questions for them uh, about their strategies, their successes, uh, whatever, give us a call. 877-772-9658 is the number to call. 877-772-9658. I know that's a lot of sevens, so I'll do it again. 877-772-9658. Or you can go to our website at realliferealestate.com. Go to the Ask a Question tab. Send in your question and be sure when you do that to let us know where you're writing from. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. In the studio today, I have three millennial-aged real estate investors, real estate entrepreneurs, uh, who are here to sort of talk about um, what they do, as well as the challenges and the... um, uh, advantages of being in this age group. And uh, to, to give you some uh, feel for what I'm experiencing here, during the break, everybody pulled out their cell phone and started looking at the texts they were receiving from their friends who were listening to them on the radio and threatening to pull practical jokes on them. So that's what that's what I'm dealing with today, ladies and gentlemen. But if you have a serious uh, question for Matt, Eric, or Adam, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email. What you do to do that is go to realliferealestate.com, click the Ask a Question button, just fill in the little form and add your name and add where you're writing from. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go to the phones. Line one, David, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Hi, thank you. I'm I'm contemplating moving to Cincinnati, and I wondered what the rental market was like. If your if your guests are, uh, if they deal with the rental market, if they could be specific on what type of renters they look like or they get, and uh, if there's a Section Eight uh, a rental market in Cincinnati. Uh, okay, very good. Where are you moving from, David? Florida. Flor- what part of Florida? Tampa. Tampa. Okay, so you're 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 not in a wildly different market than we are up here, except that I bet it's not 49 degrees in Tampa today, right? As it is in Cincinnati. Right. Okay, so um, this is this is really a good question for Adam, uh, who did not have headphones on when you when you asked it. Uh, so I will reiterate it to him. Uh, David is moving to Cincinnati. Uh, he is wondering about the rental market here in Cincinnati. Is there a good rental market? Uh, is there a, uh, he asked about Section 8, which I know is all of our favorite things to talk about here in the Cincinnati area. Uh, anybody who wants to tackle that can do that. All right. Uh, Adam here. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with the Florida market very much as far as rentals are concerned, but I can definitely speak to the Cincinnati market. There's a lot of great opportunities out there. Um, I, I have experienced no shortage. Uh, a couple of recent ones are, are very good cash flowing deals, even with some higher interest rate loans on them and still rapidly amortizing. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, um, I, I think I think you might find it a little bit surprising, David, how uh, inexpensively you can buy kind of low-end properties here and how much they rent for. Um, Adam, if you want to share, like, any one of your last handful of deals. Sure. Um, and, uh, what, and then and what do you what do you look for? Duplexes, triplexes, or multifamily? Or, or can, you, can you successfully rent out single-family homes? I think there's opportunities in all of them. Me, personally, I like to focus more on the single-family. I do own some duplexes, which isn't really that much different from a single-family. It's two doors instead of one. Um, but... Uh, one of the more recent ones I did, uh, I picked it up for 17 only needed a few thousand dollars in work, and that's rented for almost $800 a month right now, so the returns on it are just crazy. Oh, that's great. So your banks here are lending on multifamily deals? Um, I don't typically work with banks. Usually on most of the deals that come my way, I have to close quickly, and often a lot of times they're in conditions that banks aren't going to want to lend on. So usually I go to my network of private lenders on that type of situation. They usually provide more uh, flexibility as far as uh, as far as what the status of the property is, and also can usually close much much more quickly. Oh, that's that's great. That's a that's a good network to have. Yeah. Now let's let's go ahead and address the issue, though, David, of whether you want to rent Section Eight here in the city of Cincinnati. They, there are three of us sitting here at the table who have rental properties. Do any of you take Section 8? I take Section 8. Uh, I have probably about half of my properties rented at Section 8, and about half are just market rents. I've Go had pleasant experiences with both. Uh, yes, and you, because you don't manage your own properties. Eric? <laughs> I currently have a Section 8 um, tenant in one of my condos in Hamilton, which is actually Butler County, the city of Hamilton, um, on there. I've had experience with Hamilton County Section 8 as well. I prefer Butler County Section 8 process over Hamilton County. Um, uh-huh. In Hamilton, I would accept, um, the city of Hamilton, I would accept um, Section 8 tenants um, into properties there. Um, for my uh, my 18 unit, I would not. Yes, and I, I will not accept Section 8 into any of my units anymore, and it's not because I don't like the folks, and it's not because I don't like getting the checks every month. It's because the local Section 8, the county Section 8 department here in Hamilton County has um, made it nearly impossible to do business with them. It takes them forever to approve units. Uh, they will fail your unit three or four times on on just dumb stuff that doesn't really affect the health or safety of the property. And as I talk to people around the country and they tell me how great Section Eight is where they live, I get jealous because it ain't great oh. here. And the only the, the, then the reason the reason Adam doesn't think so is he's got a property manager to deal with all of that. <laughs> and those of us who have to deal with it ourselves, we have issues. Uh, <laughs> And to reiterate on there, when I got started in the property management, I hired a property management company, so I own 32 units. I do not manage them anymore. (laughs) All right. Very good, David. We appreciate your call. And when you get yourself up here, you need to make sure that you get to Cincinnati RIA. Um, It's a great organization, and you can, uh, of course, attend for the first time for free. You can get a guest pass at CincinnatiRIA.com. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you very much, David. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. The topic today is Millennials Who Invest. And the number to call if you have any questions for our panel today is 877-772-9658. You can also send an email by going to realliferealestate.com. Okay, guys. 
I assume you're all aware of the reputation that your generation has. I, I assume I would not be enlightening you by telling you that the feel is, and, and I know every generation, you know, the one before it looks back and goes, oh my gosh, this next generation is the laziest, most entitled, most whatever generation in the history of the world. And uh, same same thing is happening to y'all. But demographically, the truth is, um, most people in your generation are at least claiming that are a higher percentage are claiming that they never want to own a house like they want to be renters they they like the freedom of it they like not being tied down to a lawn and a, a roof to repair and all that kind of stuff and yet you all <laughs> are are buying as many houses as you can get your hands on or in your case matthew notes as you can get your hands on what is it that attracted you to this this asset that or this business that other people that you are you know you went to high school and college with are just they're they're just like oh I don't want to have anything to do with it other than to rent it. Anyone can answer. <laughs> These long I, silences uh, go over I'll... great on the radio too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. Uh, Adam here. Um, I guess uh, starting off at 31 years old, I, I'm maybe part of the older portion of the millennials, so maybe I just wasn't as impacted by that mentality. But I think the big reason that I'm still involved in it is I'm trying to get all the things that other millennials want, and I see owning houses as an avenue to do that. I don't view it as something holding me back so that I can't travel the world and experience life. It's an investment opportunity to help make that happen. Okay. And I'm going to take the typical millennial approach to this. Um, when essentially from what I'm seeing right now is there was a great opportunity to buy real estate back in 2009, 2010 on there where I was trying to buy much more real estate. A lot of the people around me were pretty much saying, oh, well, how are we ever going to be able to get a mortgage on this? They had a very one, like the old school way of thinking of how can I get a mortgage on this? How can I, you know, get the down payment and everything along those lines? Because once everything crashed and Dodd-Frank went into um, action, the banks had pretty much been looking at credit report. Um, scores on there and the big killer for millennials now is the student loan debt that they're getting from college on there and that's been what's one of the main killers that a lot of people don't really have any options for whereas when my wife and i got our um, dream house on there we went the land contract option because we knew that her just getting out of college um she was going to have an issue with getting obtaining conventional financing so it's still um millennials today like even though the, all the information's out there of how to invest in real estate and how to get, you know, either a land contract deal, a lease option deal to be able to get into the home ownership process on there or even to invest, um, they still only look at it as the way that they were taught 20 to 30 years ago. Oh, so you think some of this business about I don't want to own a house isn't I don't want to, but I don't think I can because of my credit score or my giant student loan burden or whatever. Correct. So maybe more of them would if they listened to real life real estate and knew that they didn't actually have to go to the bank to do that. Exactly. <laughs> because when, uh, sorry, um, because yeah, the, um, when people talk about wanting to buy a house now too, they talk about, well, do I still need a 10, uh, 15% down payment? Do I still need this? Do I still need that? They, they read everything they see online and the good and the bad news about it is too. There's a lot of information. Bad news is it's now not screened as properly as it was before in the past. So they don't know where they're getting information from. Mm -hmm. So they could have something that says five to 10% down payment, 15 to 20%. And they just get confused uh, mentally mm -hmm. about the process. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Matthew, your, what, what was it that attracted you about uh, this real estate related asset that you're doing, which is defaulted notes? Well, I think a lot of millennials really value lifestyle. And that's part of why 
being tied down to particular things in their view or having responsibilities at a young young age is not necessarily the thing that they want to jump into um, with great enthusiasm. I look at real estate completely differently, not as something that that I'm tied to, but rather as something that provides stability as an asset, that it has a foundation, that's a backup plan financially in any way. Although I'm in the business full-time now, I know a lot of people start investing part-time, and I like real estate because it's great collateral, because it's leverageable, and because it has an, an underlying security there that isn't as, as accessible in other investments. And as a result of the ability to leverage it and use it as collateral you you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of creative things that you can do that you couldn't as easily do with another investment and again it's all about using that those aspects to get what you want and determine the lifestyle that you want to live and the tools are out there in real estate cuz you don't have to reinvent the wheel so much of it is already there as a millennial it's just a matter of taking advantage of it and using it to achieve what you want to achieve in terms of lifestyle which you might value more than associated with, with sticks and bricks or with what your particular um, financial goals are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to millennials who invest. And if you have some curiosity about uh, how they do what they do or how you could get your kids to do the same thing or how you could yourself do the same thing, give us a call at 877-772-9658. You can also go the millennial route and send us an email. You're going to do that by going to realliferealestate.com, clicking the Ask a Question button, and uh, just sending that email on over here. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and we're talking today to millennials who invest and uh have three guys here, Matt, Eric, and Adam, who respectively buy buy notes, do rehabs and wholesales, and rent out properties. And so they've kind of got the whole, um, I don't know, the whole plethora of of potential strategies sitting here in this room. And we're talking about, you know, why they do it, advantages and disadvantages of getting started so young, um, the, the, the surveys that we do at real estate associations tell us that the average member of that association, those associations is about 55 years old, and that most people start in real estate investing about the time they start getting worried about their retirement, which is maybe around 45, 50 and yet these guys are doing it, two of them full-time uh, in their mid-30s to through late 20s. Um, now, guys, some, something that really did happen that I'm, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if the full impact of this is going to be understood for another decade or two, but about the time y'all came of age, there was a huge <laughs> crash in in the economy and the real estate market. And while you all were probably too young to be directly affected, I bet your parents and adults that they knew were losing their jobs, losing their houses, having to cut way back on their lifestyles. Did any of that have any effect on your view of what it, what it, what is my career really going to look like? Am I secure? Is it better to start a business or have a job? Or, or do you think that this desire to do this real estate thing was just sort of, I don't know, innate with you? 
Um, I would say that uh, it definitely had a large impact on me. Um, I have been uh, part of a layoff before, so I really like the additional diversification that real estate gives you, some uh, stability in case things go wrong. Um, also, uh, I think it was Warren Buffett that said this one, uh, people are uh, afraid to be greedy, and when people are greedy, be afraid. And when the real estate market got hit real hard, I saw it as a fantastic time to jump in and take advantage of some of the deals out there. Yeah, that's actually the time when I was in college studying for an accounting, and I was hearing about the crash in the stock market and then also affecting real estate. And I actually got up and dropped out of college and um, went to go get my realtor's license um, on there so I could learn more about how to invest in real estate and take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, the severity of the recession certainly affected my thinking and probably my, my psychology even at the, at the time. And I I saw it both as an opportunity but as a learning experience when I saw even people that, that I had come to know that were experienced business people struggling in that kind of environment. And I realized that you, in getting the, the real estate business, that you both have to manage your downside and your risks in addition to looking for the upside, that you have to be careful about the management of leverage, even though it's a big benefit of, of real estate assets, and that you need a back as a, from a millennial perspective. You need a backup plan. Um, we we observe firsthand from our, our the society around us and our, our parents and our relatives that jobs aren't forever. Well, also uh, stock market investments aren't forever either. And you both have to have uh, an asset base and be educated enough that you can manage that and see that through different market in, environments. And that uh, that made an impression on me at. Uh, uh, an early stage when I, I was getting started. It, it, it's something that I'm mindful about uh, often now. Challenges of being so young in a business where most people are 20 to 30 years your senior. Have you had any issues with credibility, with people kind of dismissing you because you, you, didn't have gray hair, so you could, well, Adam does, but it, it, most of you don't have gray hair, so cannot possibly uh, know anything. Have you had any of that going on? Um, when I when I first started out in real estate, I had people that um, told me I didn't know what I was getting into. 10-minute conversation, um, and pretty much showing them what, what you know can kill the credit or can um, boost the credibility really quickly as well. And if you don't have something you can use to go back onto, you can pretty much, I have like about five apps that I can pretty much, um, I, what I'm thinking of the best terminology for it, where I can pretty much on, on what takes them about an hour, I can do in about 10 to 15 minutes on there. And then they, I spend the next hour using my credibility on something other than what their expertise is on to benefit both of us. Oh, so if you can't dazzle them with your knowledge, you're going to confuse them with technology. Is that... <laughs> and show off. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Vina, thank you. The uh, gray hair definitely does help with credibility. <laughs> I'm knocking down barriers left and right. But uh, yeah, the big thing I really like about real estate is the deals kind of speak for themselves. And usually I'm doing business with people I, I know and trust uh, for the most part, I try really hard to maintain my relationships. So that, that's step one right there. But step two is just being able to walk someone through all the numbers on the deal and show them why it makes sense and why it's a good investment for you and or for them. Yeah, as a millennial, I think you often have assets that are 
underappreciated uh, yourself because you're looking at what other people have that you may not have. May, you may not have the level of credit they have. You may not have the capital that they have. You may not have the experience in business to rely on. But what you do often have is the time and energy to devote to projects. And Adam's absolutely correct is that when you educate yourself and then you, you go out and and put that uh, knowledge into action, even if it requires being a joint venture partner or uh, taking on other people's uh, resources in order to be able to get that experience under your belt, that initial, um, the value of those initial deals goes a long way. And once you can demonstrate that you are as as competent as anyone uh, that might be of you know greater age or experience in your particular area, what you choose to focus on, you can attract to yourself the resources that you may not have but need to do the deal. It's certainly been my experience that when you can show people that you can put together a great deal, money, for example, from private individuals is just not an obstacle. That's interesting that you guys all have such enormous confidence that you can overcome the um, the uh, potential prejudice that people might have against you because of your age. Because I very distinctly remember when I was 22 and first starting in real estate and um, I was going out and making offers on houses and I was dealing with a lot of uh, real estate agents, most of whom were male and most of whom were a lot older than I was. And I, I will never forget the guy who I, I told him, you know, we were going through this really nasty, smelly house and I told him I could, you know, do 17,000. I don't remember what the number was. And he looked, he, he looked me up and down for a minute and it was complete silence for literally like 30 seconds. And he said, honey, why don't you get your daddy down here and the men can talk business. And he, he, he died later, but it had nothing to do with I didn't have anything to do with that. But, um, you know, I, I, I had I had some of that 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 I I faced and was afraid of as well. I mean, I was also you know, I was afraid people wouldn't work with me because I was so young. So maybe this is a millennial thing that you all have this, you know, built in confidence from, I don't know, being told that you were little flowers all of all of this time. But <laughs> whatever, it seems to be working for you. I, I do have a story. Um, one of the times where I was meeting with a private seller, um, I just shaved that day. So um, I, I talked with them. I met with them. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And the person they said was like, like, wow, you're really young. I'm like, um, you know, I've been doing this for about eight or nine years now. Um, what do you mean? He's like, you look like you're 22. I'm like, well, thank you. But even still, I'm not that young. And um, when I guess it, I'm 24. <laughs> no, I was 28. So this, this was about two months ago. So... Um, but it was a good compliment. And then I, we walked around the property. I pretty much explained to them there's an old oil tank um, there going through the property, talking about the aluminum wiring and um, things that need to be upgraded. Like, wow, you know a lot of information. And just one of those things where, yeah, I've walked through hundreds of homes at this point, so I can easily point out issues on there. But it, I think it helped out with the credibility. And even when I made my offer um, on the property that – I could, even though I was young, I could walk through the entire property and pretty much pinpoint all the repairs and issues with the um, you know, need, and it more impressed them than really got me belittled. So, well, let's let's take let's take a step back here though and say y'all actually all have between eight and ten years of experience, despite you're being pretty young. Um, it can't have been easy at the beginning though, because I mean you were like 
all basically close to being fresh out of high school by when you when you started uh, in on this. And that means that not only did you not know what you know now, you didn't even know, you didn't have any experience with how business worked, with how negotiation worked. How, how did you get through that? Because the reason I'm asking this is that the 55-year-olds who are getting started, they've got exactly the same set of problems, or they think they've got exactly the same set of problems that you do, but but at least they've had some life history behind them where they've seen how other stuff works. So how did you get past this at the very, very start of it? All right. Well, I got through mine with uh, persistence. Like I mentioned earlier, I lost a decent amount of money on the first one, but decided to not let it get me down. Um, the biggest thing was just educating myself on what to do right the next time. I joined RIA, did a lot of networking, educated myself on several different strategies so I'd know different ways to approach a problem if they came up. And yeah, just, just persistence. If at first you don't succeed. My my thing was mainly um, when I got my license and really devoted um, full-time to real estate on there, so many people were worried about what the future was too. They honestly really didn't care too much about my age. They just saw a young person who was energetic and willing to learn. And so I talked with the people I learned. I joined my local RIA um, shortly after that as well. And I got as much education as I could while everybody was mostly freaking out, wondering how to, <laughs> how to do the next step. So my age didn't become much of a factor. Um, even like my first two, um, wholesale deals, one of which you were a part of when I talked to the, um, when I talked to the sellers on there, it was just a burnt out, um, landlord that didn't, he didn't care who threw him an offer. <laughs> so it was just easy to get that deal. Okay. And as I very quickly learned in this business, particularly in the defaulted note business, which is a business of imperfect information, you can't know everything starting out. You have to get yourself a really solid foundation and be confident what you do know, but also know what you don't know. So make the mistakes that you're going to make no matter what quickly. And as a millennial, as a young person, you have the opportunity to risk little, do small deals, make those mistakes quickly, and learn from them. Don't repeat them. Get them out of the way. You have time to make up for it. The so- and the sooner you, you start, the more farther ahead you are. Fail forward fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to millennials who invest. If you have any questions for our panel, 877-772-9658 would be the number to call. You can also send us an email, which is pointed out to me, that's not actually the millennial way of doing things. If, it was, if, if, if I was really trying to be, you know, down with the millennials here, I'd have you text me or yeah, or uh, I don't know, um, Instagram me or something. I don't know, but but that you can't do that. You got to email. You got to go to realliferealestate.com and fill out the ask a question uh, tab, and we will get that via email here at the studio. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and you all should really stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate Investing by going to our website, realliferealestate.com, and uh, just joining our email list. I know nobody ever wants to join an email list. What am I getting? You're just going to market me. Yeah, well, you know what? Every week you get an article by or about the topic that or our guests are about the topic they're speaking about. Uh, this week there was an article by Jim Wood about how to get your kids interested in real estate so that when they're 28 years old, they can have done 15 rehab deals and own 32 rental units. Uh, also sent out a video of the uh, Why Your Marketing Isn't Working web class from last week, and you didn't get it because you're not on the list. Go to realliferealestate.com and get on the list. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Uh, also, you can ask your quest- your questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week on realliferealestate.com. I will, of course, not answer them 24 hours a day, seven days a week because I am busy and important and um, I can't do that except when we have uh, the shows on Wednesdays. And in fact, next week is question and answer week. So if you've got questions, that's a great place to uh, put them and get the answers. Let's go to line one and talk to Robert. Robert, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, how are you? Good, Robert. How are you? I'm doing okay, I guess. Um, I happened to notice on the show that one of the panelists was talking about how he was able to use apps when he was talking someone in order to um, do his deals. And I was wondering what kind of apps he actually uses in his real estate deals and what kind of apps he would recommend a millennial real estate investor using. Well, Robert, he can't recommend any apps, but he can, because we're on public radio, uh, So, but he can uh, <laughs> share some of his favorite ones, as can the other guests if they uh, have favorites that they like. My favorite apps that I currently use is PDF Expert 5. Um, essentially what I do is I upload purchase contracts onto there and I can also, um, get the seller to sign, um, right on, right on the dot, um, dot on my iPhone. Um, I also use dot loop for realtor type deals that makes it easier to, um, go on the, um, contracts that you have to spend 15 pages on instead of the two pages for investment. Um, I had a really good app, um, before called happy inspector, but last time I talked with them was they had server issues pertain to it. That's actually what I used to do my due diligence on the on property. I could take pictures and write notes and um, be able to divvy it up per room um, on there. So what usually would take about 45 minutes for someone else, it took me about 10 minutes. And even with me with a short-term memory, I could just go back there, see the pictures again, and easily be able to set up a scope of work for my rehabs. Anybody else have some favorites that they like to use? Adam so says, many. no, other people do all my deals for me, so <laughs> I just basically sit around and wait for somebody to tell me that I have to buy a house and how they're going to manage it. <laughs> He's living the life. There's so many apps that uh, I use on a regular basis, both uh, on, from, a, from a PC and from a f- smartphone. Uh, CudaSign is my preferred app for digital signatures. Uh, Notarize, which allows you to uh, notarize documents remotely, which comes in real handy in what I do. Uh, we go look, which is a service that allows you to send, uh, live human beings, believe it or not, actually out to remote properties and they'll take photos for you and inspect them. Um, genius scan, which is great for putting, uh, documents on uh, your devices from a smartphone or a tablet and so many other ones. I, I could take up too much the rest of the show. All right. That ought to give you some things to explore there, Robert. All right. Thanks a lot, Vina. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for for calling, Robert. Um, Got about uh, eight or nine minutes left in the show. So if you have a question, call it in at 877-772-9658. Or you can still risk sending an email if you like. Although oftentimes if they're sent this late, I get them after the end of the show. You do that through our site at realliferealestate.com. Which one of you guys is going to develop me an app for the show so that people can just like go on their phones and ask questions? Um, all, all three are volunteering right now. You all can't see it, but, but they are, they're all like, how hard is it? Um, so let's talk about, uh, we, we actually had a question that just came in uh, via email that's somewhat similar to Robert's, but it is from Jesse in Fort Lauderdale. 
And uh, I assume it's a he since it's J-E-S-S-E, says, how do you think that growing up in a time when there's so much information so easily accessible has made the real estate different, business difference from different for you than it has for those of us who remember MLS books? Well, there's definitely a lot of information out there. Um, I, I like it because I can do a lot of my networking now online, Facebook, LinkedIn, that type of thing. I've come across several good uh, connections that way. Um, also, emails with properties are always helpful. Just the, the ability to transfer photos, that, that type of thing. It's, and it's more of like, a, um, it's, I'm trying to think of the best way to um, kind of analogize it. Um, it's it's kind of like um, cooking for the most part, where most of your work is in the prep, where you have to learn about the application, you have to learn, um, do your research on, you know, what works best for you. And then you have to then apply yourself to the property or to anything along those lines, um, where I can go with my iPhone and do almost anything I need to do. And even if I forget something, I have a Dropbox right then and there. So I can't, don't have to go back for 20 um, to 30 minutes or drive time. Um, once you know how, how to use the programs and apply it, um, it just makes it a lot easier. And pretty much it's just going to be a lot of um, just per property basis that you need to think about. Do you see, because a lot of your competitors and colleagues are much older than you are. Do you sometimes see them doing things where you're going, why are you doing it that way? It's so much easier just to use the app or use the website or whatever. You you can answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And the only thing I have to say about to respond to that is I can have an offer probably to them much quicker than to the to the other sellers on um, whether you're. Yeah, when throwing offers, I can make it much faster than the people that are still doing it the old way. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Talk Dan on line one from Cincinnati. Dan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Dan, are you with us? Mike, I don't hear Dan. Okay. Um, There's like nothing. Dan? Ah, there we go. Dan, are you with us? Yes. Yes, I'm here. Hey, Dan, what's your question? Hey, um, so... I'm a new investor, or um, and I'm I just stumbled on a house that looks like a great, pretty house deal, um, and um, I've never worked with a land contract before. I've mostly worked in, in rentals and things like that. So I was just, you know, I, I uh, was going to ask someone, um, you know, is there is there a way to quickly uh, get smart, or how would you recommend getting smart quickly, or, or partnering with someone uh, to make a deal happen? Are you in a waiting for a seminar? Is this property in Ohio, Dan? Yes. Okay. And is there is there some special reason that you were thinking land contract instead of subject to or lease option? Uh, no, not necessarily. Other than um, I think that's one reason why I'm looking for someone who's more experienced to help me help guide me down the path of what would work best in this situation. Okay. Uh, well, without getting into the 20 minutes of detail <laughs> that we need to get into about about uh, what the situation is on the seller's side, I would tell you that um, land contract is usually the last of the three options. Like you, you would look at subject to and lease option before you would look at a land contract for reasons of control, really. And, um, okay. Uh, so yeah, gonna need a gonna need a lesson there. How do you partner up with somebody who can help you out with this? Well, the answer is I think what these guys have been saying, which is network, network, network. 
um, if you can make it to the uh, trade show tomorrow night, can you can you do that? Can you come to the Rhea trade show tomorrow night? I think so. I'm planning on it. Uh, all four of us will be there. So if you can, if you can, if you can uh, grab any one of us, we can sit down and have a more extensive conversation with you about what the right thing, what the correct thing to do here might be. We will probably okay. stick out like sore thumbs, just so you know. <laughs> yes, <Okay. laughs> we might be the only four oh. not in overalls. I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a great question, Dan. And you know, you you clearly you haven't been to a lot of RIA meetings, or you would probably have already just picked up the phone and called somebody because that's that's why people join real estate investors associations. It's 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 for the education, yes, but it's more for knowing people. So it's more for yep. just being able to pick up the phone and say, "All right, I know you've done subject twos. Help me out with this. How can we work this out?" Okay. Okay, thank you. So we will see you tomorrow night, Dan. And we just have a couple of minutes left here in the show, fellas. So let me let me ask you the question that I bet you all can come up with the answer to in seconds, and that is, what's the what's the future plan, and by what age do you want to be a millionaire? All right, future plan is to just continue to grow the portfolio as uh, quickly as I can. Uh, the age um, today would be my target, but <laughs> since uh, I only have a few hours left, I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll bump that out another uh, another few years. Uh, my um, focus is going to be shifting into um, rentals here within the next couple years um, there, and I would like to be a millionaire. I'll give myself some time. I'll, I'll say 30, 31. 31. So. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be more conservative and say I'm going to beat the clock on 40 on that and a million dollars in assets. Uh, I would say to my fellow millennials out there, if you have not already, put time on your side, get a Roth IRA, get it open, get it funded, and learn how to invest for your long-term future, even if it's not your natural inclination, because you have huge advantages on your side. Very good. Thank you, Adam Terpstra, Eric Kottner, and Matthew Adams for joining us today to talk about uh, being a millennial in real estate. Remember, uh, you can read more about how to get your own kids involved in it by going to realestate, uh, com. And uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.